welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. Um, We are looking at the book of Titus. If you are just jumping in and this is your first episode with us, I do want to take a minute and kind of explain what we're doing. Um, You are jumping in at the towards the the end of or the second half of the New Testament survey. Um, if you go all the way to the beginning, you will find a wonderful series about how we got the Bible and why we can trust it. And it's really just a um, very quick overview of the accuracy of Scripture within um, culture, time, place, uh, archaeology evidence, um, all kinds of fun things along the way. Uh, and so how how we got it, the, you know, the facts about the Bible. And so it would be my suggestion that you go all the way back and start there. Um, and then if you wanted to, you could honestly take the new, the Old Testament survey and New Testament survey and match it to wherever you're at in your reading program. If you are reading through the Bible in a year or something like that, um, that would be something I would encourage or you can start at the beginning with Genesis, and there's at least one, two, or three podcasts per book, uh, and you can work your way through and get a wonderful overview of Scripture. We've tried, uh, I've tried to put together just kind of um, at a glance view of the book as a whole, where it fits in the cultural timeline of the day, um, the key elements from the Jewish history and uh, faith and life, uh, and just how they wired and how they work and think uh, into understanding scripture. Because the Hebrew faith is our context, and the Old Testament is the context of the New Testament. Um, And so the New Testament does not fully make sense unless you understand its context. Um, And that is very much the Jewish faith and the Old Testament scriptures. Okay, so we are in the book of Titus, and um, Titus is a relatively small book. We are looking at just about three chapters, and so it'll be a wink and a blink, and we'll be through. Um, But let's start with our background a little bit, Um, and I'm going to include a little thing that I get Um, from the Precepts Inductive Bible Study Bible. Um, It's, uh, let me think if there's any details here. It's called the New Inductive Bible Study, and it's put out by Precepts, um, but they have a little blurb to introduce the books, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to read this one straight up. So this is on page 1965, (laughs) uh, if you have that Bible. But it says, When Paul sailed past Crete on his way to Rome, he was not the master of his own ship. He was a Roman prisoner. Um, And if... If the centurion guard on that ship would have listened to Paul and put ashore to Crete, um, he would have saved himself a shipwreck. Uh, Because what ended up happening is that um, they sailed under much duress. And as Paul had predicted with them, the ship was lost at Malta. The island was 58 miles south of Sicily. And if you don't know, Sicily is part of the boot. Um, Paul's ship sank to the bottom of the sea. Crete was sunk in the depths of sin. Broken pieces morally 
broken to pieces morally by an incessant pounding of a godless lifestyle. And so I love how they're comparing the shipwreck to the nature of Crete. Crete needed the good news of the gospel. Unlike the sunken ship, however, Crete was not beyond redemption. Whether Crete was on Paul's heart before his two-year house arrest in Rome, we don't know. We only know that once Paul was free from Rome's chains, he apparently went with Titus to Crete and left him there. Um, And so this book would have been written about 62, and Paul didn't know whether he would be able to return. Um, Yeah, Uh, he didn't know if he would ever get back. So, okay, so let's go ahead and look at our, our, um, we do a who, what, when, where on every book. Um, And I would encourage you to pull open your scripture. And if you've got some space in a margin or if yours has a nice title page or something, uh, at the beginning, I would write just the who, what, when, where, and why. So the who for this book is Paul. Um, And the what is this is a letter to Titus. This is a lot like the book of Timothy, Titus, and Philemon in that these these are books that are not written to a general church or a location. These are written to specific people um, that Paul had relationship with Um, and people that he was probably mentoring in some way. Um, And so you have Timothy, who's like a son. Um, You have Titus, who has been very faithful. And so uh, he's also considered one of uh, Paul's children. Um, In verse 4, you can see, To Titus, my true child, in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Christ Jesus, our Savior. Um, And so you can see that he also has the same relationship with with Paul that Timothy would have had. Um, These would have been like his sons, um, especially sons in the faith that he would have passed on. Um, the gospel and how to share the gospel to others. Um, the where of this book would have been Rome and the when would have been 64 to 66 AD. And so just for a little reference, the Titus would have been written before first, sorry, after first Timothy, but before second Timothy. So it's kind of a sandwich book time-wise in between those two letters. Um, and so if you want to think about it that way, it's kind of a kind of a neat way to look at it. Now, the book of Philemon would have been written before 1 Timothy. Um, and so you can kind of put these three aren't in, in chronological order. So just understand that. But um, okay, so like I said, this book would have been written between 64 and 66 AD. And the why of this book was to encourage the church in Crete to do good works. Um, and so... I think sometimes when the Bible focuses on good works, it's been taken by some by some in the body of Christ to be um, the way of salvation. And that's not the whole counsel of God's word. God's word is very clear that we are not saved by works because we could boast. Um, and so it's it's purely by faith in Christ, and it's about what Christ did for us. Okay, so, but works are important. And so what you will see in scripture is you will see that because of your salvation, you should be doing these things. You should be a hard worker. You should be doing works of faith. In other words, there should be evidence of your salvation in what you do and how you live life and and, um, those kinds of things. So let's go ahead and talk through our outline. Um, chapter one is pretty much instruction for Titus. Uh, chapter two is living the faith. 
and that includes some of chapter three. And then chapter three, the end of it is final instructions. Um, and so you got kind of a pretty simple structure in this. Uh, but the key verse in all of this is Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things which we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. All right, so uh, there's your key verse. And so let's dive in a little bit, and we'll see what we can find in the book of Titus. Um, let's see. So I'm going to start in verse 1, and in all letters, you're going to have an intro, and usually, especially if it's to a person, um, but in most cases, the author will introduce themselves, and then they will introduce who this letter's to. Um, and then sometimes it'll even go straight up to, this is why I'm writing. Um, and so it just kind of depends on the letter, but... Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which in according to the godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifest or made known even in his word, the proclamation which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now that sounds kind of long-winded and kind of crazy, but basically what you've got is to the faith of the chosen of God. When Paul went into a town, he recognized that God was going to choose whoever responded. Okay, and, and hear me the way I'm saying that. So Paul knew that if people responded, they were chosen. Does that make sense? And so he didn't walk into a town knowing who was chosen. He walked in sharing the gospel, and he watched for who was chosen to respond. Okay? And so he connects that those who are chosen are the ones who receive the gospel. Okay? And so um, he, he states something along those lines in another book where he says, you know, it, it was how the gospel was received among you has, has spread to the entire region. And it's part of the evidence of the power of the gospel is how it was received in places um, and people that responded to the message. So verse 4, to Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I've directed you. So, in other words, what I want you to understand is that the island of Crete had somehow got the gospel, and Paul hadn't visited there, okay? And so, basically, through all of these travel portals, believers somehow had gone through the island of Crete. And so, the gospel had had come to the island of Crete, but nobody had really organized it well, and there were all of these little house churches but they needed somebody to guide and set them up and, and help them establish themselves. And so that's what he does with, uh, with Titus, is he actually appoints him to go there and help them. And so what he directs them to do is to appoint elders in every city, as I've directed, 
Um, if every if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. Um, and so, in other words, like you wanted somebody who was respected, who there wasn't anything to be said about him. If you wanted to come up with something, he was blameless. Um, he had believing children. He had one wife. Um, and that would have really made a man stand out in this culture and in this day and age. Um, verse 7, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, um, not fond of sorbid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled, holding fast to the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. So in other words, he's not just, he needs to know the gospel, the, the Bible well enough to be able to not only teach it, teach sound doctrine, but to be able to refute those who contradict. For if there's any rebellious men, empty talker, talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, so in other words, he's talking about Jewish ones, um, who must be silenced because they are upsetting the whole families, teaching things that should not be taught for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, um, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Okay, so Paul's quoting one of their prophets of their day. <laughs> um, he's quoting one of their, their philosophers, so to speak. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths or commandments of men who have turned away from truth. But to the pure, all things are pure. And to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Um, and so you can kind of see they proclaim to know Christ, but their actions, what they do isn't matching. It's not lining up. So you can kind of see why our outline points out that this is this is something that Titus is... is um, they're being encouraged to do good works. Uh, and then chapter 2 is the duties of the older and younger. And so in this passage, you get this wonderful, the old men are to be this way, um, old women likewise. So let's, let's go ahead and look at that because I know I've got time in today's episode. So chapter 2, uh, verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Um, and I don't know if you noticed it with Timothy, but but the last episode, but we talked a lot about sound doctrine. Um, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in their faith, love, in love, and in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to too much wine. They are to be teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge young men to be sensible. Um, and the word sensible 
means um, in all things, like sensible in everything. So level-headed, you know, have his head on straight, not to be in the clouds, but to just be really grounded is kind of the idea. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Um, And so if you put Timothy and Titus all together, there was something going on in the church in this region and in the early church at this time where there were a lot of people who wanted to argue. There were a lot of people in opposition to what was being taught. You had a lot of empty and vain chatter that kind of left led to nothing. Um, and I honestly, I think that describes us today, doesn't it? I mean, we've got a lot of people that want to start debates and arguments and attack believers for being faithful to God's word. We've got a lot of situations where um, there's a lot of people that talk and say nothing, right? (laughs) Um, And so you can see it. You can absolutely see it. All right, so going on, verse 9, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing and not argumentative, not to pilfer. Um, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Uh, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Um, Jesus Christ, verse 13, ended with that. So 14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good for good deeds. These things speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Um, and so you can just kind of hear the, the absolute, he's, he's, Wow, what word do I want? He is admonishing. He's emphatically encouraging um, Titus to really challenge these people to start living consistent with their faith. Um, He even so much as says that our obedience adorns the gospel. Um, What a beautiful picture that is. Um, Because what deeds and actions we wear literally, literally gives an appearance to the gospel. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to chapter 3, which is all about godly living. Um, And uh, so let's jump in. Let's see. Verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good deed. To malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Can you imagine, okay, what we've got painted here? The picture of of the island of Crete. Their own philosophers um, have been quoted here, (laughs) and it's not good. (laughs) Um, One of them says that they are liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, and that testimony is true. So this this is the culture that this church is growing in, okay? And so Paul is being so specific on what it looks like to live the godly life. Um, And so if you want to know how you're doing in living the godly life, this is a beautiful um, list to line your life up with. Um, And so let's let's pick up again. Um, 
verse 2, malign no one, to be peaceable, peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceiving, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, um, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And I would contend to you that this statement right here should be our summary of what God did for us. Um, concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Um, and then, okay, let's pick up in verse 9. It says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, and strife, and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a fictitious man. Um, after a first and second warning, knowing such a man is perverted and is sinning, um, being self-condemned already. Uh, and then he goes into some personal concerns in the rest of the book. Um, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. For all who are with me greet you and greet those um, who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So you can see even at the end of that, Paul is... Um, he he's almost like uh, I don't know what you call it, but he's he's he knows the workings of who's moving where and what's going on. He's very well connected and very well informed on what's going on, and so he's giving advice. But he's also going ahead of certain people, going, "Hey, so and so is coming through. Make sure you meet their needs while they're in and through." Um, and so he's very much encouraging them to consider themselves part of the body which would have been something very unique to an island culture, right? Um, because they would have been used to kind of being their own entity, probably. Um, and depending on how how the, that day and age worked, um, f- to get those believers to think that they're a part of a bigger body of Christ. And so their deeds do matter in serving the body um, and serving others. So interesting book. Um, and so we're probably going to keep today's podcast just at this. But the book of Titus has definitely got a message for us today that honestly, spend some time here and just see what God gives um, you as far as insight and that kind of thing. Because if we are ever in a day and age where we need to be sound in our speech and above reproach, Um, chapter two, verse eight says it's today. (laughs) It's today. We need the message of the book of Titus today more than ever. So with that, um, I will say goodbye for this week and, um, next episode we will launch into Philemon, which is another itty bitty little book. And so honestly, I might do a Philemon and Hebrews combined. 
um, and start Hebrews because Hebrews is going to probably end up being a couple of episodes. So uh, that's our plan and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to OpenTheWordPodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit, everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse, to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.